the Reynolds Hotbox, a podcast about local media and the future of media from the Reynolds Media Lab. I'm your host, Tiana Morimoto, and today our guest is Associate Dean and Professor Donica Mensing. And I'm here with my co-host, Professor of Science Communication, Kathleen Masterson. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. So for our first segment, we're actually going to do an elevator pitch. But the elevator today is out of service. Oh, that's right. So instead of, <laughs> instead of that, we're going to change it to a stair pitch. So we're going to walk up to the second floor of the stairs. And from the first floor to the second floor, Zanika, you will have that amount of time to kind of pitch your paper about um, the shrinking of newsrooms and the growing of journalism schools to Kathleen and I. And if you're not able to do it when we get to the top, you can do it on the way back down. Got it. That sound good? Yep. Okay. Ready? I'm totally ready. Yep. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Oops, okay. Uh, yeah, so we'll go this way. Okay, so let's go. We're heading to the second floor. All right, so this actually was a book chapter called, for a book called Global Journalism Education, looking at how is journalism being taught around the world. And my chapter was summarizing what's happening in the United States, which basically is newsrooms are shrinking dramatically, and yet journalism schools are still growing. And the question is, what's going on? Okay. Was that, that was really good. That was great. That? <laughs> Do you need more time going back down, or was that? Well, would you like to hear the answer to the question? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think what's happening in the United States is this, this tremendous diversification of what journalism means and how the skills that students learn in journalism education are applicable to so many different kinds of jobs. But anybody who can fluidly create media, write well, summarize a story and tell a story has got a future somewhere. Great. Well, you did excellent. And now, <laughs> and now <laughs> I can breathe. All right. And so we're back in the studio. And once again, we are in the Reynolds Hotbox. I'm your host, Tiana. Here is my co-host, Kathleen, and our guest today, Donica. And this is a podcast about local media and the future from the Reynolds Media Lab. So now I just kind of want to move into some initial questions that I have for you, and maybe Kathleen has some as well. Perfect. Um, so first, I kind of just want to get a little background about you. And so what made you want to go into journalism in the first place? I loved newspapers as a kid. I had a newspaper route. Uh, my parents subscribed. I used to cut out articles. I still have file boxes of articles from newspapers I cut out when I was in high school. That's fabulous. An wow. early researcher and reader, <laughs> yeah. devotee. <laughs> I love it. And so based on the paper that you just shared with us um, in our little stair pitch <laughs> segment, and on your research that I read about online, how do you think that the role of journalism specifically is, ch is changing our society? Not really like for education, but just like journalism as a whole. Oh, that's a huge question. <laughs> um, I think... The role of journalism in society is clearly changing right now, and understanding that is the work of scholars around the world, seeing how the function of information and engagement, and these days as information gets weaponized, 
thinking about it from different directions. I think if you can imagine that there was a time period where the communication system was fairly stable, it's always been in flux. But these days, I think as we have shifted from a, a mass media model to more of a networked media model, there are so many assumptions that we made about how information flows through society that have changed and are changing that many of the early theories and understandings that we had about how to practice journalism are really being upended. And that's what makes it such an interesting time to be here. Um, how do you think that social media is attributing to either the shrinking of newsrooms or the growing of journalism schools? Huh. Well, certainly social media is completely changing how news is produced and distributed. So I did a poll the first day of class in my beginning journalism um, class this semester, and more than two-thirds get their news exclusively from social media. And I think that from um, a consumer point of view, you lose a sense of what the source of your news is. It, they, it just comes as a series of, of headlines or comments or memes. And the studies that I've seen about how people understand news is really changing. And when it is consumed out of context, it is very hard for people to get a, a narrative of what's going on or to feel a connection. So they either go deeper into one network around the areas that they're interested in, or they tend to pull back because it's just a confusing mess, right? And it's much uh, easier for one's mental health to just tune out completely if you're not able to follow and understand. I think the accessibility and creativity of social media attracts students to the media. Um, in terms of shrinking newsrooms, as fewer and fewer people are able to be employed full-time in a professional newsroom, the pressures to produce news for the more traditional content as well as social media uh, just creates an even more difficult situation for professional journalists. Even though social media is a fantastic reporting tool, it, there is a lot going on. And until we sort out how journalism and news can be funded, it just means a lot of people are completely overworked and have no time off whatsoever. We're in the Reynolds Hotbox, a podcast about local media and the future of media from the Reynolds Media Lab. So this clip is um, a reporter named Lisa Desjardins. I might have got that Desjardins. wrong. Desjardins. Yes, from <laughs> CNN. And she got laid off. In 2014, I believe. And she actually videoed her last day at CNN saying goodbye. Hmm. And yeah, so we're just going to listen to a little clip of what she had to say about that. As for what I would like to say, I'd like to say thank you, CNN, for everything. Thank you to my dear friends here, to one of the best bureaus in the world, and of course to one of the best B teams in the world. Um, do we want to take pencils? pencils. Got them. Of course, I'm sorry that CNN has decided to eliminate my reporter position on the Hill and cut back on congressional coverage. That scene is where she's kind of thanking CNN for the experience, but she says, kind of almost sarcastically, like, although I'm sad that they decided to cut these positions, blah, blah, blah. And while she's doing that, she's actually in the video taking all the office supplies from the cabinet. <laughs> so she takes notepads. She goes, do you do we need pencils? What do you think? And so then she takes a whole thing of pencils. And then 
it kind of goes to her also taking like the first aid kit. <laughs> For that, she actually compiled a like a word, a, like a word block where it's all like random words kind of put together that are used similarly in emails that CNN sent to the employees mm. that they were laying off. And so those emails were really nice. It was like, thank you, you were great, blah, blah, blah. And then she also compiled a separate one where it was like emails to each other in the office, and those weren't not so nice about no. <laughs> job time. Yeah. So just kind of what do you think about um, in journalism, in newspaper companies, or news companies in general, just like laying off a lot of employees and cutting positions? I know that's something I read about in one of my classes recently as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important that journalism students understand that this is the environment that we're working in today and that the numbers of, of um, jobs that have been lost in newsrooms is astounding. Um, as an educator, of course, we don't want to think that we are preparing students for jobs that aren't going to last. Um, I think an interesting statistic is, at least as of 2013, um, which I realize is a while ago, but that the number of graduates from journalism schools is about 50,000 people a year. Um, there's many fewer journalism jobs, and I think that that is what has actually sparked a lot of diversity in journalism education, is to understand that the kinds of jobs we used to prepare students for, there are far fewer of those, and they are more competitive. But the opportunities for the kinds of skills that journalism students have, those are diversifying. Um, I think it's interesting, Lisa Desjardins, clearly that was an interesting video. She has landed in a fantastic job um, with the NewsHour. So while I think uh, it's much more of a gig economy now, and the idea that anybody is going to get a job and stay at one company for very long is unfortunately not the reality. So what we really try and do is prepare students to be much more entrepreneurial, to understand this is what it's going to look like, here's what you need to survive, and as the industry evolves, we need to be preparing students that can evolve as well. And any student who walks in saying, I just do print, then we just have a little chat and say, that is not a good future for you, but look at the range of things you can do once you understand how to apply your skills in different environments. So yes, I think as we watch our own graduates get laid off and lose jobs and move around, you know, there's a part of all of us that just feel like, oh my gosh, this is such a terrible system. And yet, understanding that there's a place on the other side. And how are we going to help make sure that our students do get the next job and do understand what's going to happen so that it's not a surprise? That would be a true dysfunctional educational system if people didn't understand how things have changed in, in this particular industry. So once again, we are in the Reynolds Hot Box, a podcast about local media and the future of media from the Reynolds Media Lab. And so our social media questions, the first one I have for you is, at English Major 22 asks, with so many journalists facing layoffs, is it possible to still do journalistic work without working for a news organization? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And in fact, there was an interesting study um, that I was reading that said, well, they interviewed, I don't know, 5,000 journalists. Um, did they consider their work journalistic? And a, a great number of people who are not working in traditional newsrooms said they still, still see their work as journalistic because they're going through that process of collection, verification, 
editing distribution. And they were working in government offices, in nonprofits, in advocacy organizations, public relations, strategic communications, and education. So in all of those different environments, the things that journalists do are still very valuable. So at Nevada Wolf Writer asks, I am going to be a freshman in college next year. And with the changing times in journalism, with all the technology coming out, what advice do you have for future journalism students? Uh, first of all, to be open-minded, learn everything you can. And I think one of the um, aspects of journalism education that we try and stress is experiential hands-on. And I think doing as much reporting, writing, advocacy campaigns that you can do helps every individual figure out, well, what are my strengths? Where do I really feel that I have something to contribute? And where can I learn? Because, again, as we see, the students who are the most successful are those that um, will say, yes, I can do that. <laughs> I can do anything that needs to be done um, and are quick learners and understand, again, that the core identity of being able to develop, contribute, and tell a story on different platforms in different mediums um, is the best way, I think, to survive in this economy and not be afraid of technology, you know, embrace the change and figure out, again, what is my contribution in, in this environment? Great. Thank you. And I guess to kind of go off of both of the social media <coughs> handle um, questions that we received, as for both of you as educators in the journalism school here at UNR, how do you think that students are kind of reacting to the change in technology within journalism schools? Yeah, I think that overall my sense is that there's a real excitement from students, that there are new ways to reach people, um, that they can in some ways get some instant gratification, right? If you're posting a story on Twitter and it sort of moves and reaches an audience or Snapchat or whatever realm you're in. Um, but as an educator, I always like to focus on this idea that, you know, we can't control the funding model of journalism. We can't control um, what's the latest way that people access news. I mean, holograms are probably next for all I can tell. Um, but I always like to tell students you really should focus on storytelling. If you can tell a good story, you can learn new media. And so up next, we have our Are You Smarter Than a Millennial segment, <laughs> which I guess would be I me. Just say no. <laughs> Can't we just uh, <laughs> read the writing on the wall? <laughs> which I guess would be me. So. <laughs> We're in the Reynolds Hot Box. I'm your host, Tiana, and our guest today is Associate Dean and Professor Donica Mensing, and I'm here with my co-host, Professor of Science Communication, Kathleen Masterson. And so, for this Are You Smarter Than a Millennial segment, I'm going to ask you a few questions. You both can answer and participate, and in the end, we'll Sorry, see... <laughs> and in the end, we'll see who's the winner. Oh, oh, oh it's a competition, <laughs> all right. Okay. Are you ready? Let's yes, go. Go. So, true or false... Does Facebook own Instagram? Yes. True. Yes, that is correct. Good job. So one point each. Second, which social media was one of the first, if not the first, to offer the disappearance of a post after 24 hours? Snapchat. Good job. <laughs> Jinx. Okay. Finally, and there may be more than one answer to this one, so it's multiple choice. 
So what is the most preferred source that Americans as well as millennials get their news from? Is it television, radio, the newspaper, online, so including social media, or just word of mouth? Probably online and word of mouth. Exactly. It was actually online was correct. And the second one was also television. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah, television. I know local news is still watched by what seventy mm. percent of people once a month at least. Yeah, and there's a lot of research suggesting that social media is sort of similar to word of mouth because you trust different sources differently on social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. going to give myself that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess both you, you're both yeah. winners right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, good. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, um, I actually got that question from. A, re- a survey that was conducted from the Pew Research Center. Mm-hmm. And so 41% get their news from television and 37% get their news from online, hmm. which is, it was such a close number. They're just like, it was pretty tied. <laughs> neck and neck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you guys both are winners. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so for our advice for the day segment, Donica, have you got any advice, resources, tools, or Anything else that would benefit our listeners who are interested in the media and the future of journalism? If I had advice, I would tell people data. Being able to understand, access, and use data, I think, is a hugely important skill. And people that are naturally attracted to telling stories don't always think that they want to do numbers or data. But I think combining the two is an area of growth and importance to understanding the world around us. And For me, I think uh, checking in with young folks, like seeing what, where are people reading, where are they getting news, what kind of content are they watching, I always find really useful. So if someone were considering journalism, I really think just doing a broad search and, and really finding things that surprise you, not just going to your typical sources, could be a nice way to start to think about how, how to get into this field. And so for our final segment, what is your biggest claim to fame in your career or in your life? I feel very unfamous. (laughs) (laughs) You are uh, looming large here, Donica. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Or how about what are you most proud of in your career? Uh, I'm most proud of being a member of the community at the Reynolds School, and this sounds like, you know, pure promotion, (laughs) but I feel like we have a faculty here that is doing such interesting work and really cares about each other as a community, and that feels like a very special environment to be in. And I think, you know, when when we talk about the chaotic nature of media today, and one of the antidotes is being part of a community and feeling like the relationships that I have face-to-face um, are, in the end, what's most important. And I feel like we're in a school where everybody comes from a different discipline. There's a lot of variety, a lot of interdisciplinary interests and backgrounds at the school, and seeing this group of people come together um, around a shared mission and interests is really very special and I don't take that for granted and that's I think that's for me the most satisfying uh, career experience that I've had. Oh great I love hearing that just as a student here as well and the whole sense of community that you talked about that's something I felt like the first week of school. 
so that's that's great. And yeah. It's so as a student, thank you so much for applying that to mm-hmm. the educational aspect of journalism. I'd agree with both of y'all. I've been in different academic settings and they've all been really, um, you know, I've been well taught in those environments or, or students have got, had a good experience. But I think this particularly yeah, here at the Reynolds School, there's really a sense of community and support in a way that's that augments the learning. You know, if, if you don't are an expert in something, another professor will come into the class and share that. And I think that that's really valuable rather than, you know, some journalistic professional environments can be really competitive. So it's nice that we're fostering that sense of community. So finally, to wrap up the show... How was your experience in the Reynolds Hotbox? <laughs> oh, this is great. It's very fun. I'd like to come back. Oh, thank you. Did you like it? What was your favorite thing? Uh, being surprised by your questions, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and uh, I guess I'm thinking about one more point, and I don't know if this goes anywhere, but I think as you, because we're talking about local news as part of the tagline, um, Local news is in terrible straits, and you can see it in our own local newspaper, having gone from 70 to 80 reporters to 12 reporters. And in this environment, I think journalism schools have a role to play. And whether we develop a media core or continue to collaborate more with local media, I think that journalism schools are a source of news and information in a way that was different in the past, and I'd like to see how that evolves over time. We we do have a role to play in the community, and we're not just an isolated ivory tower um, separate from the community, but we're really needed at this moment um, in this transition from one media system to another, and I, I hope to see in the future how journalism schools and communities can work together more productively. That's some great final words and advice just for journalism students in general and people in the journalism academics. So I just wanted to thank you both so much for being a part of this episode. And so this has been the Reynolds Hotbox, a podcast about local media and the future of media from the Reynolds Media Lab.